this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we put up our review uh, for a vote over at our Patreon page. It's the month of October, this first episode, and uh, we let our Patreon subscribers choose one of four records to review. I know, Jay, that you were probably rooting for uh, Warrant's Belly to Belly. (laughs) I thought that was an interesting uh, candidate on the list, but uh, I was actually happy with the one that won. Okay, so the, the, the four choices we had were Warrant's Belly to Belly that I mentioned, Paula Cole's This Fire, The Heads, No Talking, Just Heads, which was the album that the members of The Talking Heads made without David Byrne. And then uh, the last one was Fountains of Wayne's self-titled album. These all came out in October of 1996. That's how we arrived on those four records. I tried to pick four records that I felt were pretty different from each other. So I think that that covered the ground there. And... By a vote of, uh, I think about, I think of three to two was the uh, was the final uh, percentage. Of, uh, I guess that would be a sixty. Was it sixty percent? I don't know what the percentages are on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even try. Was it a plurality or was it a? I'm not, uh, I don't know. Jeez. I'm not into this electoral math. I don't know. I, all I know is that Fountains of Wayne won. So we're gonna check out the debut self-titled record by Fountains of Wayne. That was released uh, October 1st, 1996. And, Jay, let me ask you. I know mm-hmm. you know Fountains of Wayne. Sure. But did you know this album? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the one that uh, I would probably know the best. Um, really? It's got okay. Radiation Vibe on it, which yes, was it my introduction to the band is probably most people's and their biggest hit, correct? Or no, no Stacy's no. Mom. Stacy's mom, and then I think, I think Red Dragon Tattoo is was a bigger mm. single. Okay. Um, I don't. I'd have to check the numbers on that. I know that in terms of you know obviously album positions, this one didn't chart on the U.S. record or U.S. charts. Welcome Interstate Managers, which is the one that has Stacy's mom. That that one charted at number uh, one fifteen. And number one on the U.S. Heat chart, whatever that is. Hot heat. But uh, no, Radiation Vibe was it made it on the U.S. Alternative charts at number fourteen. Mm-hmm. Stacy's mom made it to number twenty-one on like the Billboard like U.S. chart, like the the overall chart. Um, okay. Red Dragon actually, Red Dragon Tattoo did not chart in the U.S. Uh, they've only had three songs. The third song, other than Radiation Vibe and Stacy's Mom, was Denise, which is also on um, their second album, Utopia Parkway. But we'll get into all that, Jay. I, I remember them as well from college. I remember Radiation Vibe, the single we us playing it. I don't remember getting into the record that deeply. I remember listening to you know, the record maybe once, but... I've, this has always been a singles band for me, so okay. uh, it was nice to be able to spend some time with an entire record 
let's talk a little bit history. Just quickly get into Fountains of Wayne. History of the band. So they formed, Jay, in uh, 1995, New York City. It was Chris Collingwood and Adam Schlesinger. Those were the two guys who basically made up Fountains of Wayne at the beginning. They met as freshmen at Williams College, and uh, they actually played uh, in a couple in some bands together. And then they, after they were done, they went their separate ways. Collingwood um, moved to Boston, and Schlesinger formed a band called Ivy, which had some records out. Uh, they were he was in New York City, and um, after a while, they formed Fountains of Wayne as like a duo. It was not serious to start with. It was just they were writing sort of like joke songs back and forth. It was just the two of them. And then they ended up recording the songs. They spent about a year. They were just writing songs back and forth. Um, Most of it had to do with them. They were from New York and New Jersey. So they were writing about stuff that had happened to them and what have you. And then they decided, oh, we should actually record these. So they spent five days recording the songs with um they did all the re- all the instruments but they brought in um Danny Weinkoff to play bass and then Dominique Duran who is in the band Ivy with Anna Schlesinger she sings backing vocals on Survival Car. So basically this was a duo when they recorded the album as happened in the 90s with uh, many uh, people with a demo that got to the right hands they ended up signing to um the Atlantic subsidiary Tag Records. And so the album came out, I mentioned October 1st, 96. It's also released on Scratchy Records, which was the record that was started by James Eha and Darcy Retsky of the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, so they released their second album, which was called Utopia Parkway in 1999. It had the aforementioned single... Denise, and it had Red Dragon Tattoo, which I was surprised, again, that that didn't chart higher, but there you go. Um, and then uh, Welcome Interstate Managers, 2003. That's the one with Stacy's mom. Everybody knows that song. Traffic and Weather came out in 2007, and then Sky Full of Holes in 2011. Now, there's a side story to all this. After this album came out, uh, Adam Schlesinger got approached to write the songs... Right, or be involved in writing some songs for a movie, which would end up being that thing you do. So he wrote the title track for that song. And then he also wrote songs for the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack. And then started mm. producing, and he produced albums by the Verve Pipe and They Might Be Giants. So he's had a career not just as a you know successful songwriter on his own with Fountains of Wayne, and then with the other band, Ivy, he's also written, like I mentioned, for... You know, written original songs for multiple albums. And then um, he's recorded covers for uh, movie soundtracks. And he's produced. Um, he did the... So there was a short-lived show on NBC called The Maya Rudolph Show. He wrote the theme music for that. Um, and he's written for Stephen Colbert. Um, he's written for... Uh, I guess he's written something for the Howard Stern show, um, Saturday Night Live, uh, for Robert Smigel's cartoons. Um, so he's had a pretty diverse career. Um, and then he also did the Tinted Windows project, 
with uh, James Eha and Taylor Hansen and Bunny Carlos. Do you remember that, Jay? I do. I didn't know he was involved in that. Yep. Huh. Okay. That was like maybe, what, 2000-ish? Um, that's a good question. When did that album come out? Uh, 2009. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Self-titled okay. record came out 2009. That's the only thing that's huh. come out from that group. I thought it was much older than that. All right. Yeah. So, Jay, let's talk about Fountains of Wayne, this record. Oh, well, you know, I'm sorry. I apologize to our Patreon folks. We need to get some of their comments on this record before we actually start reviewing it. Cool. Hold on one second here. So uh, the folks that voted for uh, Fountains of Wayne on our Patreon page, Chris Martz, just voted for this. Uh, Steven, uh, I think that that's Mizinski. Uh, he said, overlooked that band entirely back in the 90s. And ever since the roundtable about 90s soundtracks, I've been intrigued. I'm sure we mentioned that thing you do and uh, something else that Fountains of Wayne had been involved with. Had no idea until that discussion that they had some songwriting involvement with that thing you do. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, <laughs> so uh, during our last podcast, Spewy the Alien was mm-hmm. one of our... He changed his name. Ah, oh, to what? Shapoopy Utini. <laughs> and uh, I was scared for a second there. He just went back to a the cabinet. normal human name. But Yeah, no. So uh, he said, unfortunately, the Josie and the Pussy Count soundtrack was in the 2000s, so Four Fountains of Wayne was his choice. So that's where we got our three uh, picks of uh, Fountain of Wayne right there. Okay. From our... From our Patreon subscribers, I want to remind everybody, if you would like to be able to vote on our album reviews, you can also visit patreon.com backslash digmeout, and you can become a subscriber to the dollar or the two fifty level. And next episode is our 300th, and you can win a prize by being a, a subscriber at Patreon. So, And I've posted about that. You can go to our Facebook page or Dig Me Out website and read about how to win. Okay, let's talk about Fountains of Wayne, self-titled, eponymous, however you want to describe it. It's their first record from 1996. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about this record. Well, I mean, it's hooks galore, right? I mean, they're yep. able to write a melody. Uh, they back it up with, with them, some great harmonies. You know, it's very much in the power pop, I think, uh, area i think there's some times when they come out of that a little bit um sometimes more successfully than others um but yeah i mean you can hear a a very sophisticated um songwriter who spent probably a ton of time listening to the beach boys and the beatles and um you know uh, the the standard uh cheap trick and the standard uh back catalog of of power pop um so yeah, I mean, I, I'm always a sucker for that. You know, yep. they get to the they get to the hooks fast for the most yep. part. Um, the songs are short. The whole record is only 37 minutes, so there's a lot there just to start with that that, that is right about this record it, to the point where it's kind of hard to mess up. Like if you've got everything I just listed out going for you, um, you're in pretty damn good shape. 
in terms of uh, being able to put together a complete record that is going to be at least, uh, you know, listenable. And from there, it's it's just a matter of how how much better can it be. So, I'm going to agree with you. I I actually, you know, in listening to this whole record, it's kind of maddening because it sounds like if you just give Adam Schlesinger a phrase or a word or a topic, he can pretty much write a killer melody around Mm -hmm. anything. Because some of these things you're like, that shouldn't be a killer hook, but yet he found a way to make it into a sweet, like, Joe Ray and and Leave the Biker. Leave the biker, leave the biker, break his heart. Baby, please, leave the biker, leave the biker, break his heart. Like we got us a fag. I wonder if that guy's read one word who wasn't in a porno mag. And I wonder if he ever has cried. This kitten got run over and died. He's got his arm around every man's dream. Crumbs in his beard from the seafood special. Oh, can't you see my world is falling apart? Baby, please leave the biker. And it's like there's just these weird songs, and I understand that you know a lot of this stuff is kind of in jokes, so I'm not necessarily going to get everything. Joking around with uh, Chris Collingwood, but man, there's just like hook after hook each song, and they're very tasteful with where they use the harmonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this could have been way overdone with harmonies, but they smartly are pretty lean on them i mean there's there's harmonies on the record but uh it doesn't go overboard and turn into like you know every line getting a harmony so and his voice is it can be a little thin at times but it works because they have a little muscle um in the guitars from time to time so it makes it you know, there's been songs where, or there's been bands where we've listened to, like, I guess you'd say power pop bands or poppy indie rock bands. And when yep. the guitars are weak behind a weak voice, it really makes it sound, I don't know, odd. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, there's not enough oomph there. But um, this record has it. And uh, it's a, kind of shocking that, you know, it took them until 2003 to have kind of a breakthrough single because you know radiation vibe is a great song that should have been a huge huge hit but it wasn't it was i mean it was a big college single but i don't think it made the same dent on like mtv and and commercial radio well no not compared to stacy's mom i mean that was that was next level which i mean we've had this conversation about these these bands that are in this in the ballpark of power pop and how it's there's usually a tragic story here of never having the hit. Right. <laughs> uh, they were, I mean, if you compare it to that, they were lucky to have one. So, right. Um, there, there's been plenty other, we've others that we've talked about that, that weren't that fortunate. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, the, the muscle, I think you're right about that. Um, I think the, either with fuzzy guitars or, Sometimes they do like some nice things with just layering of uh, different like acoustic, electric, and then also even some keys and and right and and whatnot. Um, 
which works really well. I think his uh, like he, he's just got one of those voices that's like it's good enough. You know, yeah. it doesn't really stand out as being a problem at any point, and it doesn't really stand out as being um, spectacular. It just it's good enough to deliver those those melodies. Um, and then I, th- I agree. I think the harmonies uh, are just just right. Very easily, we've reviewed some other bands where they just overdo it, um, and it it, could, it should be when you listen to a band like this with the way they use harmonies, where uh, you don't even notice the first listen where they're at. It's just the parts kind of elevate and become richer and um, distinguish themselves, and then it takes a couple listens to go back and really pull apart. Like, oh, okay, this is. There's three voices here and there's two voices here and it cuts out here. And so I think they, they do a pretty spectacular job of, of using that to their advantage and, and not overkilling. Yeah. And I think like a song, one of the slower tracks on the record, she's got a problem. Mm-hmm. It has sort of like a traditional or, or, you know, a simple little guitar line in the left channel. And then it has like this weird, I don't know if it's a keyboard or if it's another guitar or what's going on, but in the right channel, it's got this like little like two note thing playing off of the the main guitar line. And it's cool because it's like, it's rhythmic, but it's also melodic. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. There's a couple parts in this record where there sounds like that. And then I had a hard time figuring out if it was a electric organ or piano running through a guitar amp or a guitar I couldn't quite figure out what it was, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I, I really like that aspect of the record because our, our, they took a few chances here and there with doing little weird snippets of sounds that, you know, on a, on a more straightforward power pop record, you might not get that if it's just guitar, bass, drums, and vocal. It sounds like they had time to screw around, you know, when they weren't they weren't on a deadline with a label. They could just write these songs over the course of a year and there was an opportunity to like come up with little weird melodic or rhythmic parts, whether they were on keyboards or whether they were on guitar or what have you. There's another uh one of the songs on the on the latter half of the record, there's like a synth kind of sounding part that's kinda cool. Barbara H has something in the chorus. It, it like, there's a couple notes that sound like a synth, and there's a couple notes that sound like a guitar, and then there's a couple notes that sound like a yeah. Rhodes piano. <laughs> like, it's a really cool part. It makes the really makes the the counter melody makes the whole chorus. But I still I've listened to it like <laughs> ten times, and I can't figure out what the hell it is. I, I think it might be a guitar, but it's uh, I think another example of that. 
So and when like, they do pull out the synths, it's not like some of the, I think some bands will probably get to eventually reviewing here where sort of like the analog synth sound became more popular at some point in the nineties. And some bands just went crazy with it, you know, where it would just yeah. cut through like a laser and they don't do that. Like when they do use it, it's very subtle. Like it fits in the mix and doesn't really jump out. I think that's the result of the blue album in 94 and Rick Ocasek. Like yeah. people thought, Oh, we can use synths again. Mm. And then they over, overdid it. That's a good point. Um, so was there anything on this record that bothered you or that you did not like? Yeah. I mean, there was a couple things here that I, I think could be better. Um, one would be there, there are spots. The songwriting is, songwriting is um, masterful in how it, understands you know good pop uh, radio friendly songwriting Mm -hmm. one aspect of that tends to be a part for a guitar solo um, or breaks for uh, instrumental parts those parts of the song tend for this band at least on this record do not tend to be highlights to the point of either don't don't even have it there or do something else with it you know do something more melodic um, I think it would be killer if this, if these, those parts were used to um, kind of put, capture the th- melodic theme of the song and, 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 and replay it uh, with another instrument. Um, instead, you get a lot of like noodling or guitar effect sounds and, you know, nobody in this band, by what I can hear in this record, is, you know, a, a tremendous lead guitar player. Um, so... By having these solo sections, I, I, I'm not quite sure what the point is, other than you kind of can take a break or take a breath, I guess, as a listener. But I'm not sure, in a, you know, two and a half minute long song if that's even really necessary. So <clears throat> I think the the one on here that works pretty well, they actually double the guitar with a analog synth, and that at least melodically, there's something there you can sink your teeth into. Mm-hmm. The other criticism I would have of the record is there are some, I would say, three three or four songs on here where they get into either <clears throat> slow tempo or mid-tempo, and they're just kind of lay there. The, the songs don't really – they they're missing what I think is important for pop rock to work or power pop to work. They're missing the other element. Um, so, like, you either need – an injection of energy or you need a darkness or you need a clever lyric or you need like I think all great pop power pop songs have other they have the hooks obviously in the harmonies but then they also have this counterbalance of something else and I think on some of those songs uh they don't and they just kind of for me just they lay there um, mm-hmm. They're not bad songs, but they're just not spectacular in any particular way. I think those are the songs that really would have benefited from a, a stronger vocal approach. Yeah. Because uh, he doesn't, like, when you've got the muscle on a faster song or a, or a mid tempo song to back him up, like you said, he's got a very average voice, then yep. it, it works fine. But when it, it's the focus is more on his voice because it's slower. Then you have to bring in counter melodies and layer some 
harmonies or doubles or what have you and really like you know if you're gonna put the focus on the vocal you got to really then pump up the vocal to uh, fill that void because yeah the the slower stuff is definitely i in the same boat with you that it's the weakest link of the album um and then you know melodically you can't touch him and he's got some interesting choices but not all the time am I like I wouldn't I don't know if I would want to repeat that line like it's this the line in leave the biker where he, in the chorus it's very it's like um crumbs in his beard from the seafood special like that's in the chorus yeah. of the song and it's just like a hard line to wrap my brain around as a hook yeah. for a for a song I don't know if you yeah encountered that sometimes same. I like that song. Uh, I agree. Some of the there's a couple of lyrics in there. That being one of them, where you're like, eh, it's so it gets in the goofy land. Like, yeah, just steps over that line from being fun into like, I don't know, joke, jokey. Right. Um, the very fine line. <laughs> it is, but once you cross it, uh, you're probably like me. Like, there's no going back. Uh, yeah, no, I, I got you. And, and to call out, I mean, I, I don't want to just on the last uh, criticism. The two songs I'd be specifically talking about: one would be "Sick Days," song seven, and "Everything's Ruined," track twelve, mm-hmm. would be good examples of uh, what we just talked about. Right, and I and I like the kind of idea behind "Sick Day." Mm-hmm. I just maybe wish it was delivered in a different way. He get in both those songs. He gets into that whispery kind of delivery and almost a falsetto-y kind of thing. It just it does it. It doesn't do. It's right. not enough. It's not enough. So let me let me ask you. This is we haven't done this in a while, but um, it's something we've talked about in the past. Why why do you think this didn't do better at commercial radio in 1996? The the video got played at MTV a little bit. Uh, primarily, you know, the alternative nation and 120 minutes, that kind of stuff. But it got a little bit of buzz, bit I guess, play um, during the day. But it wasn't really a big hit at commercial radio, and the, the band was pretty much ignored up until the Stacy's Mom single in 2003. So, what what is it? That, is it just a matter of timing? Because Radiation Vibe to me feels like a perfect radio single. Um, maybe it's too early, maybe it's too late. I'm not sure. What do you think? Uh, I felt like that song, I don't know, maybe it was just the radio station I was listening to at the time. I thought it got pretty substantial play, at least on the alternative station. Um, I wanted to talk about that song for a second in that it is unique on the record how, uh, musically it's constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very... Uh, it almost it it sounds like uh, loops, it, uh, um, but I know it's not. But the way the guitars are structured, um, it sounds very like loop oriented, um, which is really cool in that it creates a quote unquote vibe. And there's definitely like a groove to that song with the way that the yeah. the guitars are layered in there, um, and they they're very rhythmic. Um, I guess is what I'm what I'm saying. Um, and there's no other song like that on the record. I mean, I think it's pretty unique uh, on this record, maybe even in their catalog in the way that it's constructed. 
I remember Sink to the Bottom for some reason. Was that a single? Yep, that was the second single. Okay. See, now, the, and that song, to me, feels uh, very... That might be the weakest song on the record for me in that it is just... It could be any alternative band. Mm-hmm. You know, it really doesn't enhance what they do best. Um, it's got the loud, quiet, you know, stereotype vocally the uh and even melodically it's very much it's very average so if that's the second single i can kind of see where you know this band even though it's it's somewhat hooky and in in 96 i'm sure it sounded just you know it sounded like right in place on a alternative radio but i think that was probably a problem in terms of okay what what makes this band unique the second single probably didn't help distinguish distinguish them very much. No, it's very much that... like Weezer, Toadies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Everclear. I mean, it's just you could interchange that second single with any of those any of those bands. Right. Radiation Vibe so th- almost has like a blues riff if you break down what that guitar is playing. Right. That's the that's the crazy thing about that song is that it's built around a blues lick. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's a strong first single. Potentially, they just didn't have a second single on this record to go to that really established exactly who they were and how they were different. That, that, that's that's really all I can think of is of why they didn't get get more momentum early on. And then, you know, they again, like a lot of the the power pop bands that we've talked about, they get a core following and are able to sustain themselves without a big commercial success for a while and they were lucky enough to finally find something that breaks through um with stacy's mom which you know that has the lyric that i think you need to have a, a radio hit at least at that time you know we're just right immediately identifiable re- memorable the sentiment is something people identify with it's you know funny wasn't it used in a movie or a commercial or something i vaguely remember it having some connection to so something like that, or maybe the video was. Maybe I'm just thinking of how the how cinematic the video was. But Are anyway, you talking about radiation vibe. No, uh, Stacy's mom. Oh, Stacy's mom was used. Oh, geez. I mean, from what I remember, it was used in a couple like commercials. Yeah. Like ironically, I, I'm. I'd have I to guess look. there was a there was a movie called Stacy's Mom. Huh. Was there? Oh yeah, wonder when did the movie come out? 2010. Oh, okay, so it was definitely based on well, not based on, but when four young teenagers fall in love with their friend's mother, their homework isn't the only thing that starts to get hard. Are you serious? <laughs> and her prepubescent sexual angst with Tommy, Mark, Roland, and yep, two stars. <laughs> well, uh, two stars. That's not bad. Sorry, no, three three point six out of ten. So yeah, I mean they didn't have the. Oh I wait, <laughs> you forgot the most important use of Stacy's mom, Imran Khan. Okay, who's Hans, that? Hansy on Howard Stern. Okay. They they changed the lyrics to the the chorus to Imran Khan, <laughs> which is his real name. <laughs> Imran Khan is kind of going on. Yeah. <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Okay, let's talk about our overall ratings. For this record, were the album better EP or decent single? Where you at? I'm at a worthy album. I, I, I think there's a, 
I mean, shoot, it's only 37 minutes. Um, I like th- about seven or eight songs in here quite a bit, and the rest of them are are pretty solid, um, even even though they might be, not be as good as the others. So I'm going to sell a record. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, do you want to mention that this was re-released by Yep Rock Records on vinyl? So you can find this re-released on a nice piece of... Uh, vinyl if you are so inclined i i i think that there's even though it's only 36 minutes i think you could probably trim two songs make it 10 songs 30 minutes and it's a pretty solid record i don't really have any complaints about length like we mentioned at the top so keep all that just the way it is and the running order is fine all that kind of stuff but uh the two slower songs that you mentioned sick, sick day and everything's ruined are probably the ones two that would go for me um so, that is our re- review of Fountains of Wayne 1996 self-titled record. If you have thoughts on this record like to share, head on over to our Facebook page, our Twitter, digmeoutpodcast.com, or join us at Patreon to discuss at patreon.com backslash digmeout. And of course... This is episode 299. Coming up next episode, it's our 300th. We're going to be speaking with the author of the book, Dig Me Out, from the 33 and 3rd series. And if you are a subscriber at Patreon, when the clock strikes midnight, the day that that album is released, at the end of the day, everybody who's a subscriber at Patreon will have a chance to win that book. Uh, Jay, do you think I should do it the same way I did with the uh, vinyl uh, failure release where I get on uh, Periscope and do an awkward video from my basement? <laughs> that was scary, man. Don't do that again. Okay, sorry. I'll 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 rent a bingo hall next time and uh, we'll get a nice big wheel and I'll put everybody's name in there and spin it. I, I don't know. I expecting you to like kill something. <laughs> or expose yourself or something. Oh my God. I'm not... Buffalo Bill down here, jeez. This is the Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> it looked a little bit like it. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash digmeout or requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. Somewhere,